Now on Racing Pulse, RSN's racing editor, Matt Stewart. I didn't like the last race as feature when they did it a few years ago, but there might be a bit of a somewhere in between sort of solution. For more news, opinion and selections, head to rsn.net.au. It is time for all of the racing news. RSN's racing editor, Matty Stewart. And uh, Matty, before you bring us all the news, I'm going to ask you a question straight off the bat. Um, I mentioned before we've got the RSN Twitter poll. The Racing Pulse poll this morning is, which state has the best guineas this weekend? The Randwick Guineas in Sydney, Ossipenko, Zoo Tiger, Arf Cabin, uh, the Headline Axe. Or is it the Australian guineas, Jackano, Legato, Elliptical, Attrition, Amenable and the likes? Which way do you see the strongest guineas? depends on where you reside and which you follow more, I suppose. Like, I don't know what the ratings people would say about Arf Cabin, Zoo Tiger versus Jackano, Elliptical, Legato, for instance, but... It's more identifiable to us, the, 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 the Australian Guineas. Like, I'm going to have a lot more interest in the Australian Guineas than the Randwick Guineas because I've been following these horses more closely. Like, say, for instance, the uh, Legato story, that's an element that we've got that the Randwick Guineas doesn't have, the the, the Flash Kiwi, the, the up-and-comer in attrition with Jamie Carr. I actually think Maximilius can win at big odds. Um, you know, and then you go to the Bankmore, promising, uh, Mr. Maestro, uh, established, elliptical, highly promising, Jackano, you know, has uh, in-secret scalp under his belt, and he's a, he's a high-class, wait-for-age winner. So, to me, I think there are more horses of interest in the Melbourne one, but if I was in Sydney and I was following that form a little bit more closely, I'd probably argue differently. So, I don't know what the Daniel O'Sullivan's make them, you know, comparison-wise, but... To me, because I'm more invested in this form, I, I've i got more of a leaning to the Australian Guineas. Well, I think it's the Australian Guineas. Uh, Jack and O, you, you can't argue with. He's beaten the older wait-for-age horses. He's beaten the best three-year-olds in Sydney. He's at Flemington. Elliptical's got beaten a lip in the Caulfield Guineas and um, the group one up in Sydney. Attrition's the X-Factor. Uh, up-and-coming horse, Legato's the Kiwi um, horse that's coming across and... There's a few others that have been racing well as well. well. So, for, yeah, I agree. The Australian Guineas have got more interest for me, and I think they're better horses overall. I think it will be a stronger race, 65% v. 35%. Our friends north of the border say, well, of course you would, being parochial Victorians. I, don't, you, don't you find that funny when people say that? I've never had a parochial bone in my body, and well, it always comes got, out with there's those a, There's an old mate here who... He get, he's a bit narky. Buddha North Melbourne goes, why is Felgate, or Falgate, as he says, infatuated with Sydney? First you get Chris Waller on, and then you're talking about Giga Kick racing in Sydney. You had John O'Shea on the other day. I don't care. Yeah. I want to talk to those who have the best horses wherever they're running. That's right. Well, I guess one thing that people would think about comparing the two guineas is if Arf Cabin and Zoo Tiger were in the Australian guineas and Drew Barriers seven and eight respectively, It'd make it really, really. Where good. would they be in the market? Well, Arf Cabin, should, I still think would have won the Caulfield Guineas. Um, it was, I think, an aberration his run last week, but he's drawn awkwardly on Saturday. Don't get me wrong, I, I still think the Randwick guineas is going to be fascinating. Uh, Chris Waller. Is very, very bullish on Ossipenko. He's going to get a, a soft mm. run, and then he's off to the Doncaster. John O'Shea yesterday said Zoo Tiger, he thinks he's going to be better over the mile. He'll go to the Doncaster. And James Cummings last week said Arf Cabin's just absolutely 
um, blooming. And they're all potential Doncaster. Whoever wins the Randwick Guineas will be probably close to favourite for the Doncaster. Win, lose or draw, I want to be on Zoo Tiger in the Doncaster. John really? O'Shea's a master at winning big mile races at Randwick. Chris Waller's won a few. Yeah. Um, he's a master at a well-weighted three-year-old who hasn't necessarily got a massive CV who then goes around and with 50 and a half on its back. In a, so I'd be on Zoo Tiger. But I'm not overly offended by the two Guineas on the same day. To me, they look like completely different divisions. You know what I mean? Like, a, no, I don't know about divisions. Like, I think it's a the Sydney ones have been doing the Sydney prep, and the Melbourne ones have been doing the Melbourne prep. I, I think they've been divided all summer. I so. think it would be better if they were all in one race, but we're not going to get that. I've got a bigger problem with other collisions, like big pop-up collisions, rather than. Maybe I should be more adamant about the two guineas, but I'm not, so I can't well, make trainers myself. Well, but... trainers and owners love it. Um, so at the moment, Half Cabin is the $8 favourite for the Doncaster. Um, where are the other three-year-olds? Osipenko's 15, and your horse, Zoo Tiger's 15. Uh, whoever wins of those three will almost be favourite in a Doncaster. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, look, it's good discussion. Who um, do you like in the Australian Guineas after the Barry draws? Uh, I like Maximilius at Big Odds. Really? I think he's got a lovely box seat. I know Mick Price has always had an opinion of Maximilius. Ethan Brown's on it. He's we lethal. talk to Ethan later. Yeah, I think you'll find that he's got a. He's just going to box seat. He's you know to quote the the gurus. He's the he's the map horse in the race for me. I don't reckon uh, elliptical from barrier two. I think there's red flags from going to need luck. Going getting the luck. Bankmore has drawn the chairman's. You club. love Bankmore just because your mates are in it. You love Bankmore. He was awful last start. Um, no, I'm just saying he's a ten to one chance. Who's drawn he's off the track? Thirty four dollars. Okay. Um, Amenable? You reckon I just like horses because my mates are in them. You do. <laughs> yeah, that's very you're analytical very of me. Loyal. If that, I've been doing it for 30 years and that's my sole motivation. No, you're very loyal. Any trainer, jockey, Not really. you love, no. you, you always Completely give a link or two to the horse. But anyway. Um, what's your thoughts on attrition? Jamie Carr jumping on board. Oh, I'm, I reckon it just adds another layer of intrigue. I'm, I'm very pleased to see it get a run in the guineas. Yeah, and this is... This is what Jamie had to say about it yesterday to Andrew Bensley. Um, he's drawn nicely. He should be able to get a nice run from there. Um, look, I'm, I'm glad I'm on him. Um, I didn't think I would be on him last week because I was already um, booked for another ride. So uh, it's worked out well. She's a market mover, Jamie Carr. Like, I know you get very excited when a jockey <laughs> isn't available for a horse where you forget that another good jockey is going to replace them. So, but I think Jamie Carr is um, one that sh- will shape a market a bit. Like Jamie Carr on attrition, people are going to go, wow, that's sevens into fives for me type thing. So uh, well drawn. I'd love to see Mitch. I like the little guys. Yeah. I'm not saying Mitch is little, but he's little compared to Kieran and Crow. So it um, be great to see um, Jamie Carr help Mitch Friedman get a group one. And um, Junior, who um, we were out there with Mick Price yesterday, came out and just basically declared Jack and I. A lot of confidence in the Jack and I. Camp. He'd need a coil up late sprint at the, He wouldn't want to do any. He wouldn't want to overwork in the run to run a strong mile. Three wide with cover from that guy. Just got a feeling he's a fourteen hundred meter horse who could win a mile, but would need to be mm. bottled up and sprint late. Anyway, these are good discussions because they they're interesting races. Uh, a couple of SMSs going through. Um, ridiculous that we have two guineas on the same day in different states. Imagine how good the race would have been if they were all together, plus a handful of others. The fact we have two guineas in one day in two biggest racing states is a proper joke. It sums up what's wrong with racing in this country right now. 
Uh, Jack and I would beat Aft Cabin. It would be nice if they all raced each other. Uh, you'd have to say the Australian Guineas is the stronger of the two Guineas. Uh, careful, boys, you might get served with legal papers if you say the Sydney race is inferior. Uh, if we say it's superior, we might get served legal papers locally. Instead, <laughs> we might get whacked it on all fronts. Uh, so, um, yeah, look, look, I, I, I hate it when mega features are compromised. Like, I hate uh, the idea that a, a Golden Eagle favourite may have run in a Cox Plate, for instance, the, the week before. So that that's the one that gets me. But the two guineas, I can kind of cop it. Doesn't really bother me that much. Hey, speaking of Sydney. Um, Tommy Berry, uh, yesterday, big news re his appeal, which he's lost. So he's now facing you know, 12 months, although there is some thought that maybe that original 12-month penalty could yep. be reduced. The Racing New South Wales and Team Berry have a fortnight to make their submissions, and then there will be a possible adjustment to the original penalty of a year. Um, it was interesting just the way it played out in the in the appeals court yesterday with Wayne Pasterfeld for uh, for jockey Tommy Berry basically saying um, what he did was based out of naivety and stupidity, not necessarily directly thinking mm. he was you know of course the fifteen grand was to help his mother renovate her kitchen, um, and the solicitor uh, Richard Beasley for Racing New South Wales, not Racing New South Wales disagreed, saying, well look. He owns the house. It's getting renovated. It's it's a direct financial, in inverted commas, advantage. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the court of public opinion says about it, but um, I feel that he's been naive rather than sinister, and I think maybe I, I'd back in there to be some reduction on appeal, not severe, but I reckon they might bring it down to nine months or something. Yeah, I don't know if it warrants 12 months and integrity is the pillar the major pillar of the sport and having punter confidence but i don't know if there was him writing to pub test would sort of most lose you know most people in the pub test would probably go ah gray area you know yep they go "Ah, come on Um, rules are rules i I enjoyed your chat out there um with nev yesterday at flemington you spoke to a lot of interesting guests and lee jordan it was it was intriguing the chat that you guys had about the the spring how it sets up champions day and what they're going to do to try and entice more internationals yeah because it's again in the context of a wave of horses heading to sydney in coming weeks for the championships uh the Irish horse, Joseph O'Brien, uh, called Raise You, who um, were, ran in the St. Ledger at his last start, won a St. Ledger trial in Ireland. Doesn't look like super-duper form to me, but... Uh, and then we've got this uh, unicorn lion trained by uh, uh, Yoshido Yahagi, who's um, the most colourful Japanese trainer of all time. He wears cowboy outfits. He's like uh, the electric cowboy, the electric horseman. Um so there's a, a there's a sense that there's a strong number of horses coming to Sydney, which is probably going to agitate um, Victorians a little bit. They're not subjected to the same degree of veterinary protocols as we are. But Lee Jordan was as optimistic as he could be this far out that there will that will get back in on that act, and certainly that the focus on the region, as in Hong Kong and Japan, is probably the first starting point. But this is what he had to say. We look at the top horses, but I think there's also a good link. Um, we had the Asian Racing Conference last week and having a chat to, to Greg Carvin and Andrew Harding that were out here, that there's a great link between Champions Day, Sprint Mile 2000 fit perfectly into International Day in December. Mm. So there's definitely a correlation there as well.
it's tricky. Their season starts late, and this has always been the problem with getting Hong Kong horses because they start in September. Is having the right race to be able to run and then come down here. We've seen a horse like Lucky Nine come down. It's probably sprinters are a bit easier because you can get them fitter a bit easier. But when you get up to staying horses, it's been a bit more difficult. But I don't definitely we'd we'd love to have a Golden Sixty on uh, Champions Day. Well, I think that's where we're all heading with what, when we look at the future and we think about Champions Day and we think about how we never get Enable and all the other great ones. And I think the VRC is sitting there thinking, well, we've got Champions Day. This is this is our chance. Um, we can launch him from here to Hong Kong because there's all those races that marry up. Um, but he did concede it's difficult to get a, a Golden 60. But I think in the next 10 years, if we are not working towards that uh, potential situation and Hong Kong's feeling the same way and Singapore from time to time and Japan and I think it's a reasonable expectation that in a major jurisdiction like Australia and Melbourne that every now and then we we tap into that really big market and they're not afraid to to seek them out specifically and brown paper bag them (laughs) you're an under the table man from way back Um, (laughs) I think that's a, a great focus that needs to really occur and do you know I'm hearing just whispers that maybe the relationship between Victoria and Hong Kong is getting very strong and there is going to be more want and more allowance for the better jockeys, better horses to keep coming to Australia, keep coming to Melbourne. Uh, The World Pool experiment went very well. Maybe we'll see more World Pool races and it'll be in Hong Kong's benefit as well if we're getting Hong Kong horses and jockeys riding regularly in feature races here when you've got world pool meetings. So it could be a win-win for both. Well, it's been a bit of a one-way street, hasn't it? Like we sent laws of indices and not many others, but we've had Jamie Cargo over there to value-add to them. We've had James McDonald. They contribute to wagering in Hong Kong. So I would say that in the relationship between us and them, they now owe us one back. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, All-star mile? Yeah, is there a little bit of controversy around the announcement yesterday of the emergencies? We spoke to Matt Welsh and just spoke to Chris Waller a little while ago. Fangirl's number one emergency. And it seems, reading between the lines, that she wouldn't come down here. Um, She wants to go, or they want to go to the the George Ryder. Maybe if Animo goes to the George Ryder, it can change things. But she's on a Doncaster path, even though the All-Star Mile's worth $5 million. So that then moves down to... She's a belter. Fangirl, Cascadia, and she's a belter have been declared the provisional emergencies. And, and they are on, I suppose, class and prize money, prize with that money. criteria. Prize Whereas money. the horses just outside the voting for top 10, was it Pounding that was 11? Pounding was one of them. And I had to listen to a potty that uh, Moods does with Mytho. And Mytho was very strong. And it's what we were discussing the other day about this kind of strange situation where. They publish the top 10, but not below that. And so what happens is, as Matt Welsh explained, is outside the top 10, it then becomes the provisional emergencies and um, what do you call those, wild cards, right? So, but I think there's a very interesting argument that, and I pretty much agree, I think, with Mytho and others, interested to know what you think about it too, that where if it's a feel-good public vote unique sort of race... Then if 3,500 people voted for the 11th horse, say it's pounding, and 2,800 people voted for the next one and 2,700 voted for the next one down, the way the system is now is that those votes are just cast aside because of different rules that apply outside the top 10. So 
if it's nominating provisional emergencies based on prize money or cherry-picking the drop-in horses that you really want to have in the race, then it negates the popular vote of any horse outside the top 10 because you're just, tra- you're just binning the votes. You're saying everyone who voted for horse 11, 12 and 13, if they're not Fangirl, Cascadian or She's a Belter, um, the ballot system of the race with the, 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 the attrition rate of the race means that your vote doesn't count even if others ahead of you fall by the way. So we're now going to impose a different set of uh, conditions. So It's frustrating and it happens every year when you get those top 10 horses that are voted in that aren't running. And Peter Moody's been open and honest. Race Victoria's put it out there. I wish I win's not going to run. He, he never was going to run in the All-Star Mile. There's insurance in case he, God forbid, touch wood, you know, gets crook before the new market and they think, oh, maybe he's fit enough to have a crack at the mile, which you can understand from a trainer and owner's point of view. It's his right to want to, to have that, that insurance yep. there. But, yep. I mean, I don't know why 16,000 people voted for him. Jack and I is probably not going to run as well, and the, the stable's been open and honest about that. So it's unfortunate when two of the top ten that are voted in are unlikely to run. In that scenario, I can then see a argument to say, well, 11 and 12 votes should then go in. Of course. And then we can talk about if a horse gets lame in the week beforehand, you've got an emergency. Yeah. That comes from that supplementary. Exactly. Because the, the original top 10, once you, you get rid of Jack and O and I wish I win and very elegant in previous years, then when you get a greater sense of the next cabs off the rank becoming that top 10, then you can talk about provisional emergencies and... Uh, wild cards, can't you? But you've got to give the voted horses every chance of making it into the field, I would have thought. Um, yeah, I don't think we disagree on that one. Um, we might even bring that up on the on the big V later on, 0416 or one three hundred six five two nine two seven, or on in the next 10 minutes if you have a view on it. Well, there's a lot of SMSs coming through here just on the Australian Guineas. Jack and O's long-sustained run, the Golden Rose, suggests he will get beyond a, a mile, Matty. Um, Matty Stewart claims he's never had a parochial thought in his life. That's as absurd <laughs> as it gets. Um, uh, g'day, guys. Jeff, my odds. Jackano in the Australian Guineas, two seventy. The Fortune Teller, seven dollars. Elliptical, nine dollars. Mister Maestro, eleven. Um, uh, is there any amount of money that would have got Golden Sixty to the All Star Mile? I don't think so. Probably not. But it, not talking specifically about Golden Sixty, but the next Golden Sixty that comes along. So because he's a seven-year-old now, I think that ship has sailed, the Golden Sixty ship. But the California Spangle ship and the uh, what's the other one? It's like the third tenor, Warrior? Romantic Warrior. It's like third the, it's the third tenor that no one can remember. Placido Jose Domingo. Carreras. <laughs> okay, was he <laughs> your third? <laughs> um, would the All Star Mile be more interesting as a handicap, Matty? You you want it a. Um, set weights and penalty, don't you? Well, I was just talking to Mytho. Everyone I talk to about this agrees that it's it's got an identity issue, the All-Star Mile, where do you want it to be the highest rating race you can possibly produce or do you want it to be true to its unique vote-in popular horse? You know, the inevitable and the stiller stars of this world should be given a competitive chance of winning. And I don't see any problem with creating your own weight scale for this race, a unique weight scale, where if you're a dominant horse in a minor state, you get some sort of compensation for that, for instance. Um, So, because I just think for the, inverted commas, the narrative of the race, still a star winning was a bigger story um, last year or the year before than whoever won it, um, Mooger 2. The inevitable winning the All-Star Mile is better bang for racing's buck publicity-wise than... I'm Thunderstruck winning. So I just think they have to... There has to be a, 
a weight conditions of the race where it doesn't scare away the good horses. It's still favourable to them for $5 million, but it actually turns the inevitable or still a star from being $41 into $18. And, and I think punters respond to that. Wagering would go up if every little horse had a, a some little chance of winning. So... I don't think they're ever going to do it because I banged my head against the wall for five years with Craig Carpenter on this. So. Uh, this is an interesting SMS. Uh, Michael, I think there's a glitch in the voting system. I voted and somehow got I wish I win. Maybe it was because he was on top of the list or is it just me? I wanted to vote for a different horse. That's Michael from Brisbane. Um, mm-hmm. A mate of mine had a horse last year, uh, wasted my vote, didn't quite make the field. So this year I voted for one of the guaranteed runners Also, I thought to have a chance, but I don't think that's how the system should be designed. I'm going to stand corrected on this, and hopefully if Matty Welsh or anyone from Racing Victoria is listening, I, I don't think it's the individual horse that you vote for that goes into the um, $250,000 chance to win. I think if you register your vote, you go into the overall pool to get your name pulled out next to a horse. Perhaps so it doesn't it matter is. if yep. your horse doesn't make the top 10, you're still alive for the $250,000 prize pool. I think one of the $250,000 prize pool winners at Flemington two or three years ago, their horse came out and they defaulted to another selection. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyway. uh, I find it puzzling $5 million is not enough to lure a horse. Does it need to be $10 million? Um, well, it's five. It is five million dollars. So it's a shame Animo's not in it. I think for the branding of the race, and there's just a lot of options, I guess. But it, it's to me, it's a bit of a shame that Animo. Well, it's a little bit like this argument um, that has fractured the Australian racing um, industry at the moment. Not having Group One status in the Everest, not having Group One status in the All Star Mile, there are you know horses that have got a lot of money that would go. Well, it's probably more advantageous to race for a Group One than it is $5 million and no group money. Well, that's exactly right. Hey, uh, it's going to be Leak City on Saturday. Um, we're going to have Andrea Leak on cracking the codes uh, after between 10 and 11. So this is the first time for this family anyway. I'm not sure whether other families have done it. John Leak, the patriarch of the Pakenham family, has Midnight Blue in the second race at $6. Andrea, his uh, wife, of course, who was a former... Jumps Jockey has heir to the throne at $126. And Mitch, the thrashing machine's son, <laughs> has Julius Sandu's former horse, Lofty Strike, at $151. So, interesting uh, interesting situation for the Leaks. Uh, um, looks like John Leaks got the advantage with the $6 chance. But um, So, we're going to have to talk to... I took Ollie when he was a baby up to... You know, when you get stuck with the kids. And I had to go and do a feature on um, Team Heritage before the... the uh, the Grand National that he actually won and uh, got a lovely photo of Andrea Leake sitting on Team Heritage with this tiny little newborn sitting on her lap and it's young Ollie. There you go. There you go. Unbelievable. A couple of quick ones. The Future Stars meeting tonight uh, at Packenham. It's a cracker. It's been a brilliant series. $300,000 final. We're going to have a chat to Ethan Brown. He's going to win 30000 as the leading jockey in the series as well. So, uh, gee, it's a almost a listed um, it's good. It's that that favourite from Hayes. Yeah, I'm glad you got Benny Hayes. Marble Arch. It's a bloody good horse. Yeah, Benny Hayes is about to join us. Um, and you've put this last one in. And no, I, no, no, no. Just quickly, um, I had a chat to uh, Blair Odgers at Packenham this morning. Those con- discussions are continuing with Racing Victoria. Yep. Um, one little theme that's coming up, and it, this is after you know talking to Cranbourne and Packenham, 
just with the Packingham Cup, it may move back a week, but they're trying to work out distances and all sorts of stuff. And it's a week after the five hundred thousand dollar Ballarat Cup over two thousand meters, and this one's over twenty five hundred with three hundred grand. So they're grappling about distance and so on. But there's a sense amongst some clubs that there's a greater appreciation with the new Racing Victoria administration that the division between city and country for for two or three major tracks needs to be reconsidered and that that will have big implications in a positive way if um if we work towards a scenario where say where Packenham and Cranbourne are regarded as metro tracks and there's obviously funding and issues and so on but for those clubs that if we ever got to that stage and there just seems to be some open discussions about what the status of these clubs actually is and if it if it got to the stage where they so moved, you're saying a Cranbourne or a Pakenham shouldn't be considered a country racetrack? Well, they, they should be metro. My belief is that they should be metro, right? Because they are metro, basically, even uh, though they're not in the city. <laughs> I hope you understood that. Um, now, this last one here, I, I'm not sure why we are running this, but you insisted. You came in and said this is the most important. Mikey, did I make any such insistence or today. not? This is what Ricky Ponting said yesterday on the big V. I, I've been listening to you the last few weeks. I know you're yeah. a bigger fan. You are. Um, and I watched him again the other day. I mean, he, he tails out... Put the, that on a promo, yeah, Don't listen to him too uh, much, Ricky. Uh, I've <laughs> been listening to you in the last few weeks. <laughs> he tails off out the That's back. Ricky and goes Ponting, out uh, arguably the greatest cricketer we've seen since Don Bradman, who says he's been listening to you, Matt Stewart. Can't, I can't shake him. Thoughts. I'm going to have to change my number. He's become a bit of a... As Jim Houlihan said of Gregory Peck, he's become a bit of a pest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of SMSs say the same about someone else in this room. Yes, <laughs> hey, Matty, yes. uh, well done today. You, you. Number one fan, Ricky Ponting, would yep. have been happy with that. So yep. uh, we'll see you on the Big V coming up a little later. Yep, absolutely.